Hi, you're about to listen to an episode of Borough Talks, a podcast from Borough Market. A very, very warm welcome to you. We're going to be bringing you a series of conversations around food and food culture with some inspiring guests and leading voices from the food industry. I'm your host, Angela Clutton. I really hope you enjoy listening to this episode of Borough Talks. And if you do, you can subscribe. Hi, everybody. Uh, it is Angela down at the market with uh, Nikki Segnet, who... Most of you, I would imagine, will have Nikki on your cookbook shelves because Nikki wrote the global best-selling, I think I can say global best-selling, The Flavour Thesaurus, which is one of those books which just quickly became absolutely iconic when it came out. And Nikki is about to release the follow-up, more flavour, no, what's it called? More flavour thesaurus, more flavour. More flavours, okay, I was going to say that, then it suddenly didn't feel very right. Okay. Uh, which is just about to come out. Nikki, an absolute joy to have you down here at the market. Thank you very much, Angela. Thank you for inviting me. So lovely. Um, let's talk about Flavosaurus, the original. Yeah, Flavosaurus. As I say, global bestseller. <laughs> um, when did it come out? Uh, so in the UK, it was published in June 2010. Wow. Quite a while ago now, isn't it? Yeah, it's... Um, yeah, it feels like another lifetime yeah. ago, certainly in terms of what's happening in the wow. technology. Yeah. Yes, uh, back and in the old days. And that was your first book? Yeah. And as I say, most people, I think, because it is one of those books which it seems like you go into someone's house, everyone has it, it's just like, it, it's anyone who loves cooking has the Flavosaurus. But in case anyone's listening who doesn't, give us a quick burst about what the Flavosaurus is. So the Flavosaurus is, uh, in short, it's a compendium of ingredient pairings. So I wrote it when I was, I basically went out to buy a book about how different flavours work together. Uh-huh. And then I found it didn't exist, so I had this harebrained idea that I would write it myself. Right. And uh, when were you a big cook at this point? Is that why you wanted yeah, to cook? I was really like yes, really into cooking. Okay. I was a brand consultant. Um, I was working on food and drink brands. I'd just done a wine course which had taught me a lot about how we taste and lots of kind of lots of interaction about how to describe flavour. And I was really into it. I just really found it it's just so fascinating. And so when Somebody on MasterChef put together blueberries and butternut squash, and the uh, the judges were crazy about it. I thought, oh, I really do. I want to know more. Yeah. No, I don't want to know. I knew quite a bit about what went with what because I had an extensive uh, food book collection. Right. But I was really what I was curious about was why, yeah. and so I kind of started delving into kind of yeah, why. The started with why. And then it turned out that there was just so much to learn about flavour, really from the kind of ground up, because it just hadn't been written about before, which is quite a curious thing, given how many food books are published <laughs> yeah. every it's so year. True. But it's not like every other food book that's around, because most food books are cookbooks, and it's recipe photo, recipe photo, recipe photo. And in a really exciting way, the flavours are just desperately isn't that. There are hardly any recipes, certainly not conventional yeah. recipes, and there is not a single photograph. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's it I'm is, going to stop here because this is Spice Mountain, which is obviously packed like a thousand flavours, and this feels like something we should delve into. Yes. But, but let's just continue that bit. Because, as I say, there's no there's no recipes, there's no photos, and yet and, and, and we're all sort of conventionally thinking that they are what people want their recipe books and their cookbooks to be. And yet 
get to something which is just words yeah. and everyone loves it. I think it, what the thing is is I had this extensive food book collection, recipe book collection. Um, but what I felt was happening with me and I was cooking every night and uh, I try lots of things from lots of, you know lots of different dishes from lots of countries but I, what I wasn't doing is I wasn't really learning to cook you know I was just a, you know I'll say like a recipe robot I just copy things and I just felt like that was not getting me to where I wanted to go and so um, writing about flavor then takes you into learning about if you like <laughs> the most essential tool in your kitchen which yeah. is your ingredients and uh, the more I got to understand what it was and pay attention to what things really taste like and how it is when you pair things or where you group different flavors together, uh, that started to free me up a bit to be less dependent on other people's ideas um, and a bit more ingredient-led in yeah. how I cook. I think that it helps people be better cooks and more intuitive cooks and, as you say, to not be a recipe robot, which... Yeah, I think what everyone wants, yeah, any of us who work in food, you kind of want to inspire people, encourage people to just be more confident in the kitchen. And I really feel that Flavortaurus absolutely you know, nails that. Um, we are outside Spanish Mountain, as I say. Let's delve in and look at some of these spices. And I'm going to ask you to do a little quick thing with some of these about what, about, well, about flavour partners. Okay. It's not, it's not a test. <laughs> in some way, actually, that's a lie. In some ways, it is a test. Okay. Right, let's go. Let's cover the essentials. Let's head okay. over here. Okay, so Spice Mountain, like, probably a thousand or so spices and flavors. I love this shop. And they have a great website as well. Yeah. Because um, when I'm looking into different spices and stuff, I will look to see what the best spice merchants say on their website about things and, like, where they're getting their ingredients from. So, you know, obviously, there's quite a difference where you source some spices from like, how they taste so for example you know there's a chapter in the new book about allspice i think most people agree that the best allspice comes from allspice jamaica just then let's have a look now so it's you know this is something that you're going to blend mainly yeah. so get one down yeah it's um that's ground this is ground the whole one stuff. the whole stuff is always always going to be more enjoyable if you just freshly ground it yourself yeah um, you know you can get pepper grinders where you can put peppercorns and allspice in together. Then they've got, so they've got an extra large setting and the mixture of the two is really great because what you get is you get the, you know, the fresh ground pepper flavour but then enhanced with the flavours of allspice which is a mixture of the same flavour molecules as clove, cinnamon and nutmeg. Yeah. So you get that kind of lovely kind of sweetening, softening of the black paper flavour, then expansion. It's really amazing. So if you have it on something like, put that on cauliflower cheese, or even just fresh ground allspice on cauliflower cheese, it has this lovely freshening, um, peppery kind of texture, to, uh, flavour to it. Um, yeah, no, I really like it. It, do you know, it reminds me sometimes of the smell of clean ironing. Okay, this is very good for anyone who doesn't add the flavorosaurus. <laughs> Nikki has just given you an excellent example of the gorgeous lyrical relationships that you make between life and food and flavors. And, and that's why it's such a joy to read, because it's not just about your allspice with your cauliflower cheese. It's also about you know, ironing. Yes. And, and that is why it's such a joy to have in the kitchen and just to read. Can we put that back? Well, I think it's good to engage. You know, it doesn't have to be something that anyone says, oh, yes, you know, when I do that, it reminds me of fresh ironing too. And also, my friends would find that very funny because they'd be like, when did you ever iron? 
in your life. But, uh, <laughs> the hypothetical ironing. Yeah, but I do know what it smells like because I've walked past someone ironing. Um, it doesn't have to be everyone's experience. I think yeah. it's just a lovely, you know, just to get people to think when they're, um, when they're tasting things, describe it to yourself. Yeah. Treat, treat it like a parlor game and um you know and try and nail it you know doesn't not, not just say anything for the sake of it but just try and think oh yeah that's quite accurate yeah i feel like you might have a lot to say about caraway caraway yes in fact that's the caraway is the first flavor i start that's what i started on in this um, book because i was in the states when i was writing it i was um staying at an artist residence and uh, and I was just looking at what they had in their cupboard and they had some caraway seeds and I'm always quite fascinated by them because they seem quite foreign to me. Yeah. You know, we don't eat a lot of caraway seeds here. I, re I think of them as being something that you eat in, um, uh, you know, in a deli, in the deli bread, in a pastrami sandwich or whatever. So, uh, yeah, so I think the first thing that I made for this book was gingerbread, like a gingerbread with caraway seeds, which the Americans sort of find really, it's a beautiful thing because of course it's a, it's a freshening ingredient and when you have something like gingerbread or any of those kind of typical ginger and treacle recipes you need something to blow a whole through of it every now and again to make it a little bit more exciting or you know just um, uh, moderate the kind of sweetness uh, it's that came from I think an 18th century cookbook and it was a suggestion like to mix ginger and caraway if you're making gingerbread for large families and they don't actually go into why that was <laughs> so like, the imagination runs wild about why that <laughs> might so be great. but the interesting thing like what's written about caraway seeds is often that it tastes like um dill uh -huh. which does a bit but they'll say that it don't taste like cumin which it doesn't at all and in fact actually if you next time you have a pinch of caraway seeds have a taste. Actually, the thing that it really is quite close to is spearmint. Oh, and there's a molecular reason for that, but I won't go into it because that's quite, you know, that's the kind of thing that you might, you might read that in the book, but, uh, you know. <laughs> is that because you forgot? Yeah. yeah, probably. Well, no, it's <laughs> one of those really unbelievably complicated chemi chemical names, which I have no place trying to pronounce, but can copy out the textbook. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Oh, fenugreek. Blue fenugreek. Yeah. I mean, this is why this is why you want to come to somewhere like Spouse Mountain, yeah. Mountain, because you know you're just not going to get that in yeah. uh, many other places. You find that in that I've written about it a little bit in the fenugreek chapter, but um, there is so much to say about fenugreek. It's such an exciting flavour, uh, and so again, sort of underused in this country. Yeah. Uh, Yes, so the blue one, I haven't tried. I'd love to try it. When you were just telling about caraway and being in America and doing the gingerbread, um, had you already at that point decided you were going to do this book? Oh yeah, okay. yeah, no, it was already um, commissioned. Right. And yeah, so I think I was <coughs> finishing lateral cooking. I'm going to talk about that. Yeah, I was that, finishing natural cooking and I had the idea for this. Cookbooks. Thank you very much. It's one of my favourite ever cookbooks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're going to come back to that. Okay. Going to go, I intend to do a big section in this podcast about natural cooking. Thank you, because I love um, uh, I'm not saying it's my favourite child, but I sort of feel a bit like that. Uh, yeah, I get but that. yes, I was um, finishing lateral cooking and it really, this, this came completely out of the blue because over the years people have said, oh, would you, you know, would you add some flavours to it? Do you want to write another one? And I've always felt like I really didn't want to revisit it. It was quite a, it was quite a difficult process, mm -hmm. and I felt quite um, 
uh, I don't want to make it uh, it's over dramatic, but I just I, I was a bit done in at the end of writing it. It was all I mean an immense undertaking of research, let alone the writing. Yeah, more than I I mean totally because I'd never done any before. I'd never written anything before. I'd never written anything at all before for, uh, for publication. So. Um, I say a lot to people actually that I think during the first cookbook people there isn't enough support I mean it's not saying like you used to be a therapy support group but actually I think I do think writing a first book is actually harder than, than people think and then you're doing it and actually it's there's a lot of moving parts yeah I mean this one this one is different to I mean so lateral cooking is slightly different in terms of how that comes together because that's got I've never you know obviously my first book's got no pictures in yeah and it could be printed in this country Whereas, you know, cookbooks... Oh, yes, you know, of course. So everything can, like, run up to the wire a bit. Yeah, because um, in a normal cookbook, you have to do it so far ahead of time because of all the printing and all the rest of it. OK, so I just picked up some lavender. Yeah. What would you like to say about lavender, Nikki? Well, no pressure. I mean, it tastes like, as you know, it tastes like a kind of slightly more fragrant, a kind of uh, slightly more bitter rosemary. Mm. So you can use it in a lot of places that you would use rosemary. It works with a lot of the same flavours that you would use What's exciting? So we're staring at a section that's called Middle East, North African, in which we have rose, marigolds, rose harissa. What else we got so here? This is, this is the oh, one that I don't know this. that's got the blue venue. So if you've got any of um, I'm going to let you uh, pronounce it. You, you pointed oh, to I it. would, okay, I would, my, my go is uh, Camelli Sonelli. Excellent. I mean, it, looks you may it sounds like a pop group from the 1980s, doesn't it? Uh, um, if you've got any of earlier Hercules books you'll find um, she uses that she recommends that and also ah, Sumeli is the Georgian word for spice little fact for the day yes I mean it's very nice to say isn't it yeah okay so it's a Georgian seasoning uh, including uh, ground marigold flowers wow how amazing have you ever tried it no I haven't oh, wow I'll get some of that later yeah amazing but we have to stop here as well hello good morning hi hello hi okay how are you good this is, have you been here before? No. Okay, Dave Lambert is amazing. Okay. As you can see. So we are here uh, looking at lots of, this onion mousse made with raisins. We have a jar of like pickled uh, turnip greens. So we have loads of honey. I just love this place. It's like bonkers, brilliant stuff. Yeah, okay. Well, I will come back. Um, and the best result ever, Nikki. Literally, the best, the best part of Okay. Well, they do not lie. That's one thing I can actually feed to the poor family. <laughs> Wow, onion mousse, made of raisins. Raisins and mm. onion, good combo. Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, I've done a whole chapter on raisins and currants and getting into the difference in the flavour of raisins and currants and sultanas. Because um, I always think of raisins and sultanas being basically the same thing. They're not though, are they? When you actually, when you think about what they're like when you're eating them, because the sultanas have been through a process to make them all soft. And so they have much, um, kind of uh, fruitier flavour. But comes, actually, I suppose the difference is when you compare a, a dried apricot that's been dried with and without sulfur dioxide. So you have that kind of the brown apricot yeah. that's got kind of sort of richer, more caramelly flavours. Um, it's kind of preserves, it tastes more natural if you like it. And then you get the, the orange type, which are very fruity, perhaps a little bit more sourness with that sweetness. Yeah. So they kind of two, and the sultanas and raisins, same, you find the same difference. So one is kind of, um, yeah, it, it's gone through a process which is not necessarily that nice to read about, and it's possibly oiled as well. So it kind of, it's, 
perhaps more pleasing to a simpler palate, Sultana, whereas a raisin, it's got a lot more sourness or a little more bitterness. It's going to be drier, it's going to be chewier. And then the currant, um, it's got a completely different flavor profile. And because they're so tiny, you know, has, it also has a different texture. So, you know, think about when we're thinking about the difference between ingredients that seem sort of similar, and then you try and imagine what, uh, say, imagine an Eccles cake made for Sultanas, it would be such a different thing, yeah. wouldn't it? Whereas the Eccles cake is just like, is the, you know, is the kind of pinnacle of what currants can be, yeah. particularly the St John ones. I think you've just given a five minute thing about why there is no one like you in food. <laughs> You're the only person who, does, who, who thinks like this and you can nail things like that so succinctly and so interestingly. Like, I was captivated by your story about just then about currents and sultanas in a way which I never thought I would be. Yeah, and then hopefully, but then hopefully you'll go home and then try yeah, the difference yeah, yeah. and think about, so, you know, also that currants get used in biscuits in a way that sultanas and raisins can't. So, you know, garibaldis and stuff like that, they behave differently when they're cooked to the other, you know, the raisins become kind of dry and leathery and currants kind of are much better. I read that in a biscuit, a book about biscuit technology. So, you know, the, the, it comes from going to, you know, unusual places to yeah. do the research and yeah. kind of... Uh, well, on which go, I'm yeah, going to okay. give you a third crack okay. on finishing the story. <laughs> I'm going to go this way. Right, this is <laughs> This is third time's a charm on the story about how the second book Okay, not the second, but the, the second no. part of the favourite story yeah. came about. So, oh my goodness. Um, so, yeah, people kept saying, oh, I wish you'd done this, I wish you'd done that. Um, you know, courgettes for being nixed from the first one. They were the supposedly hundredth ingredient for the original flavour sauce, which I never got. I ran out of time. And actually, with courgettes, I slightly ran out of the inclination. Yeah. And then, you know, people oh, I wish you had written about them because I have a glut of courgettes and I have gluts of green beans. And there were things that I wanted to write about for that reason. Lentils, I love pulses. I love... Um, you into raw milk, Nikki? Not especially. Oh. I mean, I'm kind of, I don't drink a lot of milk. Right. This is like, the Hooking Sun for years okay. just had a really small stall. And then in the last month, I think, they have opened like a large stall. And yeah. I think it's very cool that raw milk is popular enough that like they've been able to kind of take on a bigger site yeah. and want to kind of get more raw milk. I think also when I've when I've made had my little efforts in trying to make cheese, oh, yeah. you never know where to buy it. Yeah. And yeah, I do remember them when they had their small store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you know I see I interrupted you again. <laughs> <laughs> to test me about my raw yeah. milk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I I literally uh, there's I say this in the introduction to the book. I was in a pub with my husband at the end of January because we booked a babysitter so that we could... <laughs> this is the exciting life of a writer. Yeah. Do our tax return. Yay! And because we'd already done them, we went to the pub. And I was sitting in the pub and I literally just sipped a pint of giraffe Guinness. And this... It came over me like, oh, oh I want to write. A second volume of the favourite story. Oh, I want to all start with a pint of Guinness. It's excited with a pint of Guinness, and my husband was at the bar ordering food, and he came back, and I said, "Oh my God, I've got to tell you, I just got this idea, and it's just I'm really, really excited about it." And he was quite surprised because I'd never ever sort of, you know, didn't brew. It just 
truck. Because with a book as big as the Flavosaurus was and is, I would imagine that your lovely publisher was rather keen on having a second. <laughs> yeah, I think so. When it's a, the commissioning editor was my, it's guy that commissioned the Flavosaurus and Natural Cooking, a guy called Richard. Guy called Richard Atkinson, yeah. and he, yeah, he was, but he still makes. You know, I wrote a proposal, and I really you I wrote, to do all that. No I wrote way. a proposal. I thought they would just wave the money at you. No, and we shaped, we shaped the, you know, what it was going to be. And at that time, uh, originally, you know, we said yes, let's let's keep because there was only one thing that I had on my list of things that I wanted to write about that wasn't a plant, and that was duck. And um, so we nixed the duck. And said, like, let's just make it plants. So and is it vegetarian? Is it, is it all? It isn't. It's plant-led. Because what happened was, is when I actually started to write it, and I could have only been about two weeks into it, where I was, you know, say, I was doing caraway and a couple of other things, and I just, it just wasn't working if I was trying to make it a vegan book, which is, I don't know enough about vegan cooking, and... I just thought, well, you know, the people that buy my books, they are, they're not vegans necessarily, they might be, but they are, that what hold, what appeal, you know, my, the people that buy my books are really into cooking. And that might be because they do it professionally, but it might be that they do it for, for the joy of it. Uh, or they're a mixologist, they're not necessarily, so I'd have to take a detour to explain the intricacies of vegan cookery, ingredients, techniques, kind of. It, that doesn't work with the paragraph structure of the book. It's straight in, it's straight out. Like you say, it's not It's not about recipes. There are recipes, but really they're quite, most of them are more like serving suggestions or kind of like very old-fashioned running recipes because the people that are reading the books are capable of taking that and using it in their own way. Yeah. Uh, so very quickly, I said to, said to Richard, I'm going to have to add some eggs and I want cheese. And I really want to write about yoga. I love, you know, I really love yoga. I want to write about yoga and honey because, oh my God, that turned out to be such a beautiful chapter. And honey is just the most fascinating thing. Uh, so there are, it's, a, it's plant-led though. So the thing is, uh, you know the restaurant Giacomi? You know how when you look at the menu and you don't, they're not telling you it's a vegan or it's vegetarian or anything, but it's very much, plant forward and I love that idea of kind of moving towards making plants more important um, and so so meat and fish are mentioned in the book I don't you know pretend that I don't eat them or that you don't eat them but if there's a you know there's a way of using something then the meat comes last it starts to take the lower priority and I think that's a really interesting way of starting to think um, that reflect how you live your life? That, how I aspire to. Okay. I mean, I definitely uh, go through phases where it's... I mean, I was a vegetarian for quite a long time, and then I went back to meat eating. I do really love vegetarian food. I wouldn't say I'm, uh, I, I'm not there to the... You know, I wouldn't possibly follow a vegan diet at the moment. If everyone else did, I will. But... Um, but there's something I love about eating vegetarian and seeing the beauty in plants. So there's a very interesting thing in the introduction about um, a study that was done about how meat and fish are described yeah. in books and in menu and on menus. 
and how plants are described and it's like meat and fish are always kind of they given these words like juicy and you know like lots of kind of um, romance in how they're talked about all the very appetitive language and with plants it's kind of healthy good for you good for the planet yeah. there's uh, the, the sensory side is so neglected and I think that's one of the things that I went into thinking of let the celebration of them the love of them just for what they are and to you know when we're making meals where uh, plants are the, are the foremost part of the meal is to you know to, to look at them and appreciate them a bit more in that way describe them to oneself or in the book in a way that really hero worships them yeah but if we were and we may buying something can you just guide us through maybe just a couple of like flavor things that are really exciting Hot banana, oh my goodness. Um, hot banana chutney. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sweet, savory. Goes really well with so many things, especially salty cheeses, halloumi, that kind of thing, but also potato salads, things like that, just to add a bit of flavour and kick. The other one down there, which is one of our best sellers as well, is the Scotch bonnet chilli jam. It's super versatile, it's really good. And then we have sweet sides as well. Got a real range. I'm quite into <laughs> this idea of the hot banana chutney. I think it shocks people, but people also find mango chutney really normal, so I don't really understand Instinct why that yeah. kind of happens. Instinctively, Nikki, what would you think you would do with a hot banana? Well, I think I'd put it with halloumi or a sausage. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think what I might do with that is stir it into a root vegetable soup. Just like take a tablespoonful and just like pep it up and give it a bit of sweetness because you know vegetable, root vegetable soups can be a little bit... You know that kind of thing that you yeah. make when you make up something that with your lettuce? Yeah. Ooh, gooseberry, gooseberry preserve. I really want I this. Have you had gooseberry jam? Uh, I've had. Um, who makes one? Uh, is it Tip Pimento Tree? Hill, Nikki? Oh yeah, no. But I've tried. I've tried one from a bigger brand. Yeah, but yeah. It was so oh, so. I'm going to come back and get that. I think. There's sorrel jelly. Do you know what sorrel tastes like? Yeah. That um, I ended up glazing my Christmas gammon with that. Glamorous. And it was really lovely. And was it lovely pink? It, yeah, it really, really was. And so it looked gorgeous, but also tasted absolutely divine. Amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm definitely coming back to get some gooseberry. Um, I need to remember about rye, because I know you have a section about yeah, rye. Oh, okay. That was such a great chapter to write. Because um, when you write about an ingredient where some, where lots of people have got interesting things to say about it, where there are great sources, so there were lots of wonderful things to draw on, like whether it was about rye flour and learning about the different types of rye flours yeah. and the different types of rye breads, but also rye whiskey. So in fact, there's a fantastic quote from the writer Dave Broom in the whiskey chapter, whiskey and ginger, about how the difference between what a rye whiskey tastes like to the other, and it's just it's just wonderful. It's very it's very exciting. I love to find great um, flavor descriptions and include them in the book. Yeah. And with the, with the amount of research that you do is just astonishing. Yes. Where so do you glad to be where, free of it where and how do you do all your research? That's what my day is. So uh, well, I mean, uh, I use. A lot of textbooks. So I might be in the British Library. I might be. I might be in my local library, like the Barbican, um, looking at uh, academic papers, agricultural books, horticultural books, culinary history, anthropology. I mean, things that you would know from writing a vinegar book. You know, there, 
they're we're the kind of primary research going you know deeper into things in order to find things that I don't know yeah. I mean that's the kind of that's the standard that I kind of aim for it's like oh yeah, and like a little magpie, yeah. just pick it up and yeah. put it in the book. So outside Olivier's, which is just amazing. Natural cooking. Yes. <laughs> so I said I was going to do a big moment about how much I love natural cooking. Um, I think that is probably the book that I go to most when I when I just want to be sure about kind of anything. <laughs> Tell everyone what for anyone who doesn't know what is natural cooking. Basically the driving force behind lateral cooking was to write a book that could teach people how to cook off by heart without having to resort to looking for recipe books yeah particularly for kind of like mm, the things that we make a lot domestic cooking okay so you know there's a chapter on breads there's a chapter on cakes and biscuits there's a chapter on stock soups and stews and stuff like that it's the book that made you know I always wanted to be someone who was like the Italian nonna who could just you know go to the market pick something up and come home and cook it just you know and then decide how you know what to make with it be I suppose completely ingredient led and uh, flavor the source helped a bit but it turned out that I kind of still needed to understand like basic forms it feels like flavor source it's a compendium about flavor and lateral cooking is compendium about technique. Yeah, yes. And so, so if you want to understand about pastry or custard or sponges or where I, why have I stopped under the railway bridge? That's why everyone was staring at me. Let's get away from the railway bridge. It's to give it, it's to give it texture. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it's, so like in custard, for example, it doesn't just like tell you, give you a recipe for a basic custard, which is like, you know, would be great enough in its own way, but you give every, seemingly every permutation of how a custard could be made, why different amounts of full fat milk or cream would make a yeah. difference. And it's just, it's just the most incredible, and I have no idea how you put that together. But it took eight years. Oh my gosh, I can imagine. But uh, in between... Let's in stop here, this is a much more sensible place to stop. Halfway through that, I had twins. Right. But, um, it just, I mean, look, the same as everything. Like, just lots and lots of work, but a driving force of, I'm onto something here, this is really interesting. This is taking loads and loads of recipes from all over the world and joining them up by understanding what underpins the techniques and then kind of unpacking, as you say, all the things like if if you if you're making a custard what happens if you use whole eggs what happens if you use more yolks you know where where and then and then of course the reason it took a really long time was because then when I got so far into it I thought it would be better if where possible everything was joined up in terms of using the same quantities of things so that you had a like a control really so all the custards I think are 500 ml of liquid um, and then so you can see if I make that change what is that actually doing when does a creme brulee become a, a like creme caramel a creme caramel you know they're very they're very very similar but one's made with milk and whole eggs and one's made with cream and just yolk so you get I think that dis- description of the difference in texture is like the difference between closing the door of a Mercedes and then closing the door of a Toyota Yaris it's just that is how uh, that to me is how the you know the difference in those two puddings but they're actually very you know they are really similar in how you make them and so the book is eight nine hundred pages of 
all that kind of stuff really like how a soda bread becomes a, a, a yeast bread and all that kind of, that means that if you're equipped with all that information you just understand the basic rubrics of making that kind of thing and you can I mean you can then go into your cupboards and make stuff and if you don't have something you can read the you know the appropriate chapter and it will tell you kind of like how to how to fill in the gaps really and how you can change things so that you can either suit your own taste or suit your own country really. I mean it is a mighty achievement Thank and you. I think other than the flavours for us obviously the most useful book anyone can have in cooking very much and so when you put that together with the flavorosaurus like it's almost like the rest of us can just go home and not bother writing any more books well uh, and i do but of course we love you know we love to come across beautiful recipes in you know in either cookbooks or in color supplements and stuff and tear them out i just think uh, and that's a pleasure in itself and sometimes you know even i like to put myself in someone else's hands and you know there are great recipe writers in this country uh, sorry, and everywhere, I guess. But, you know, we have really great people writing this week. Um, but there isn't anything quite like being able to just know that you can do it. Yeah. And you know exactly how to do it. And you are like an Italian nonna who can go to the market and buy stuff and just make whatever, you know, be inspired by flicking through the books and come up with something. And, you know, my it's very dear to my heart that we waste less food and it's really important then because if you or if you, what I was finding was that because I was dependent on recipe books I was buying all the things that I needed to make something and um, the way that our you know our food retail works generally not borough market obviously but you know if you go into a supermarket everything is pre-packaged in certain sizes always have loads of leftover stuff you have loads of leftover stuff that doesn't you know got some Mexican stuff and some Indian stuff and some you know, some British stuff, and it doesn't necessarily uh, suggest anything particularly. You have to, you know, if you want to waste less, particularly plants, because people are a bit given to throwing them away because they're only plants. If you want to waste less, then you need to learn to be more self-sufficient, to come up with your own thing, or to doctor things. And lateral cooking obviously helps you you know, if you've got a recipe that you like, but you want to change it, you can kind of look at the similar um, dish, and it'll kind of give you an idea of what you can do to it, I hope. I feel that very strongly about this place, that what I do so much in all the different aspects of you know, the privilege I have of working with these guys, is that I want to encourage people to be able to come down to the market, see something, be excited about it, go home and know what to do with it and it's, it, it isn't just about it's nice it's fun coming down with a recipe and going okay i need that and then that and that there's definitely something really fun about coming down with the shopping list but also really fun about just coming down and seeing it and exciting and get home and think okay what am i gonna do yeah. with this and that's when i think books like yours really really kind of come to the floor to help people have that confidence of just knowing what to do with yeah. stuff i love that you're ambition in life is to be like an Italian nonna. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because I like wearing black so much, <laughs> basically. Any kind of black shapeless dress is my, is my idea of heaven. So that's where I'm, that's where I'm going with it, ultimately. Excellent. Yeah, and going grey as well. Um, do you feel, is there another Flavosaurus in your future? Nikki? Oh, of course. Please have asked me to say that. Uh, <laughs> I suppose the interesting is... is uh, I don't feel so much like no, no, no this time. I'm actually going to take a bit of, I'm taking a breather after this one because I've gone straight from one book into another without any kind of like moment to just, yeah, think about it, take some time off. Um, uh, but of course, now in the back of my mind, because of course this one, the new one, 
has got 26 ingredients that I've worked with on the first volume, and then 62, is it? Of something like that, 66, 66 new flavours. And it's completely new. There's no, I haven't gone over any of the pairings that I've written about in the first one. It's all completely new stuff. But that means, of course, that you've got um, a whole load of new flavours that haven't been married up with the flavours from... There is going to be a number three. So I'm not saying that there is going to be a number three. I think um, you just did. But I'm not, not going to say that it's... <laughs> Which is really positive for me. <laughs> well, that's super brilliant. Well, I am huge. I mean, I got it at home and I am loving dipping into it. And I can't wait to have years and years, like probably the rest of my cooking life, being able to dip into that as I do with the rest of the books. So I think probably, like, thank you because they are just joys to have in the kitchen. Um, and thanks so much for coming down to Bar Market and hanging out today. Thank you very much for inviting me. Do you know you're... Thanks for joining us today. We'll be back with more Borough Talks soon. You can still enjoy the best of Borough at Borough Market Online with nationwide delivery. You can head to our website for more information, subscribe to our newsletter. There are lots of recipes and features on the Borough Market traders.